This episode is brought to you by Looking Glass Gems, beautiful, affordable crystal rhinestones. Have you entered our giveaway with Looking Glass Gems yet? Head on over to our Instagram at the Pasty Tapes to enter now. You can always shop online at lookingglassgems.com. Extra special thanks to superfan BFF level supporters Bella Adana and Kyle H., the man with the hat. To get your shout out at the top of the show, join the Pasty Tapes fan club. Visit thepastytapes.com to join now. Hiya! This is Blanche Debris, and you're listening to the Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Thanks for listening to The Pasty Tapes. I'm your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, recording live from my couch in Chicago. If it sounds different today, that's because I'm recording from my couch and not my usual closet. I'm sitting in my living room. I have a blanket over my head and, well, I have a blanket over, like, my head and my laptop and my mic, so I have, like, a podcast pillow fort situation happening here. You know, I was reading in some of the podcasting Facebook groups um, and someone posted that this was their setup and I was like, wow, that sounds so much more comfortable than sitting on the floor in my closet. I'm going to try that. So let's see how this goes. If you've been in my apartment, you'd know my living room is really cozy. So I feel extra cozy underneath this blanket right now recording. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. and Thanks for listening. I just wanted to start off with a few things. First, this is something that I've been wanting to say out loud for the past few days. I had a lovely marathon catch up with one of my burlesque best friends, Loa de Boom Boom, and she pointed something out that would be a really fun and logical way to reinforce how my name is pronounced. Whenever I write my name down, Shomai, S-I-O-M-A-I, I usually include the pronunciation next to it, and it's like pronunciation, show, like the word show, S-H-O-W, dash my, M-Y. And it's like that across my website, it's like that across my social media, But Loa said, I'm going to do this. Loa said, what if it was, oh my, show my, or oh my, it's show my, or like as an outro, oh my, that was show my. Like, how cute is that? I can't, I can't stop thinking about it because it's so adorable and so fun and easy and way cuter than just parentheses, pronunciation, colon, show dash my. Oh my, show my. So like, do it with me. All right, ready? One, two, three. Oh my, show my. I would love if you dialed into the Pasty Tapes hotline, one five three zero pasties Leave me an oh my, show my. Like, you don't have to say anything else. You don't have to say your name if you don't want to. Just like dial in, give me an oh my, show my, and maybe I'll play it on air. I don't know. I find it really delightful. I would love to hear it more. I would love to use it more. So thank you so much, Loa. Also, Loa was catching up on some previous episodes and was giving me some feedback um, about it. And I just wanted to like pause and reflect on that. I'm so grateful that you, dear listeners, have stuck around and are on this journey with me. It's been a very bumpy road. It's going to continue to be a bumpy road, right? We're a few months in. This is very much a project in its infancy, but clearly a labor of love. And I'm so excited to keep learning, to keep growing, to keep doing my research, to keep like finding my space in the podcast community, see what that's like. 
I feel like I have so much to learn. I have so much to learn about being a podcast producer. I have so much to learn about being an interviewer or seeing myself as a journalist, right? Or a burlesque historian or like whatever we want to phrase it as. Like that's totally not what my muggle background is in, but this has been really fun. And I think like you can even listen back to, you know, the first episode or even like a handful of episodes ago. And I think like there's a difference that's happening. Like you can hear the growth happening as we keep churning out episodes. And I'm really proud of that. And I'm really, really grateful that you've stuck along on this journey, that you're continuing to listen. So thank you. I think that this podcast is only going to get better and better and better. And, you know, it's definitely thanks to your love and support. And if you have any feedback for me about the podcast, if you want to share your listening experience or any any suggestions you may have for me, write me an email, leave me a message on the Pacey Tapes hotline. I would love to hear it. You know, that's how I'm going to learn and grow. So thank you. And I'm open to it. I also received another super valuable piece of listener feedback. It's about the Pacey Tapes hotline. I love that my phone number is 1530-PASTIES for this. Uh, 530 is actually the area code right next to the area code where I grew up. So it felt very familiar to be able to claim 1530-PASTIES. But someone gave me the feedback that you know, they, they love the show. They love the hotline. They love the prompts. They would love the opportunity to give a shout out to their burlesque crush. Um, but, you know, maybe leaving a voicemail is a little bit of a step for them or, you know, something they're not comfortable with. And perhaps you have other, I have other listeners who might, you know, not be too comfortable with leaving a voicemail. And I was like, whoa, that's totally true. And so something I learned after hearing that feedback is you can totally send a text message to the Pasty Tapes hotline. Yeah, you can text 1530-PASTIES, that's 1530-727-8437. You can respond to whatever prompts I'm putting out there. You can leave a love note for your burlesque crush. You can totally write in and, you know, that's an option over text or you can send an email to thepacytapes at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be a voicemail. I'd be more than happy to read your response on air. And thank you so much for that feedback. And, you know, let's open up more channels where we can connect and talk. So yeah, if written word is your thing, do it. You can text me, you can email me, it's all there. So thank you. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Uh, my guest today is someone who I've interacted with from afar at BurleyCon. There's someone who I definitely bonded with over the internet, over the fact that we're both just, you know, three potatoes stacked up in a trench coat with tassels on, twirling them around the country. There's someone who I think is super entertaining, very funny, and incredibly insightful. This is a conversation I was super excited to have. I'm so glad that I can share it with you. This is my chat with the naughty body of burlesque, thicker than a Snickers and twice as salty. This is Knox Falls. Knox Falls, thank you for being on the Pasty Tapes. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Okay. Time for me to ask like all of the nosy questions. Are you ready? My body is ready. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Knox Falls, yeah. tell me about your burlesque origin story. Ah, oh, well, picture it, Sicily, 1928. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really up. Black don't crack. Um, 
Actually, I was recruited. I came from Slam Poetry. So that's where my name comes from. And it was in Texas. And it was during a coffee shop, like, um, it was a 806. It's my favorite coffee shop back in Amarillo, Texas. And the 806, hi, Jason. Um, they were having their five-year anniversary. So everyone who produced shows there at the time were attending and support. And I happened to attend as part of the slam poetry community, but I dressed up cause it was a black tie affair. So I made my own like black Jessica rabbit dress. And so just strutted around. And one person who was in the burlesque community at the time pulled me aside and was like, do you dance? And I was like, no. And also, who are you? And they basically recruited me into one of the prominent troops there at the time. And so, yeah, I just basically got kind of recruited by accident. Whoa. Okay. How long have you been doing burlesque? How long ago was that little recruitment poetry slam event? Uh, that was 2012. Okay. Okay. Wow. So you've been doing burlesque for a while now. Or I guess it's been 84 years. 84 years, right? <laughs> Starting in Sicily. Yes. Have you always been kind of, you know, someone who leans into the arts? Like, did you, are you a writer in real life? Like, are you, I, mean, I guess it's all real life. You know, talk to me about your poetry. Um, my poetry, slam poetry was like, you know, Every, I feel like all art is a vessel, and that was a vessel for me at the time to get out a lot of um, anger and heartache. So um, that's I've always been a writer. That's that's what I went to college for. Like that's what I've always done. That's what I, you know, I do on the side. Sometimes I write people's bios for them because I just enjoy being a wordsmith at times. Um, my poetry, by the way, if you ever find it, it is very like angry, but it's, I mean, it's like slam, it's slam poetry. So right. it's supposed to be like, like jolting. And that's, that's what it was. Um, but yeah, I've always been in the arts. I've always drawn. I've always sewn. There was always something. I always had a hobby. So it's it's just natural to me to be doing something artistic. But at this event, you made your own dress. So you've been sewing and coming up with looks like bef- way before burlesque, right? Yeah. Like uh, beforehand, like, oh gosh, I had wish if I'd have known then what I know now, I just would have been wearing thigh high boots everywhere and um like I would make my own clothes when I was a teenager and freak my parents out most of the most of the time I used to love working with denim 2000 and like what what's 2003 you remember that denim outfit that, yes uh, yeah the that Britney Spears <laughs> the, the Britney Spears <laughs> Justin Timberlake oh my god yeah. we'll put a picture yeah. of that on the Pacey Tapes Instagram, like, as we promote this, like, what does this have to do with Knox Falls? Everything. <laughs> denim on denim on denim. Oh, my God. It looked like a walking Levi ad back then. But, yeah, that was my favorite fabric to work with. So I would always make these ridiculous denim outfits and have no, like, no place to wear them. And so that was a that was a sad part, but... It was the beginning. I would say it was the beginning of me going, what if I put this on this? Okay. I want to ask about 
making that transition from being a writer to a performer. Like something I find really fascinating is that we have a lot of, there are, you know, I know of a lot of performers who have journalism backgrounds or, you know, Mm -hmm. creative writing kind of backgrounds or stuff like that. And then they're in this art form um, where you're not really sharing words specifically. Um, How has your background as a slam poet informed your burlesque beginnings and how does that, you know, continue to influence you today? Uh, I think it's, it's still telling a story. So for me, it was just a different way of telling it and slam poetry uh, and writing. Obviously you use your words. So you, the sky's the limit of what you can try to describe to paint a picture. It's like reverse. So what you do is you try to use your words to paint a picture in writing and in burlesque, you try to paint a picture into words, like to translate it. I think. I hope that made sense. Probably not. But uh, so I just try to tell a story on stage the same way in the same formula that I would on paper. Tell me about like what happened after um, you know you started. Like, did you fall in love with burlesque? right away like what was that process like oh I at first I hated it um really why (laughs) I like I was one of those performers who was recruited who didn't really know what they were getting into like I had always seen the the play you know the Bette Midler I won't repeat the word because it is a slur so but the one about uh Rose Lee G Rose Lee and I knew what it was then, but I didn't realize what it was at the time uh, when I started. And the person, the the troupe that I was in at the time wasn't ideal. Like it wasn't really, it wasn't healthy for me. Okay. So I think that contributed to why I hated it. And I honestly didn't realize that I was going to do my number until I was pushed out on stage. Like they called my name and I was like, Oh, and I, Oh, and one of the girls in the back was just like, go on now. And that's how I got, that's how I started. Um, over time when I started to get more control over myself and my numbers and my image is when I started to enjoy it. And then I started to fall in love with it. And it has been, uh, middle has been basically a lifetime movie of ups and downs and it's just it's life but it's naked life honestly and yeah. nothing is safe <laughs> nothing is safe nothing is private after it you know it's like I said it's just a, it's a weird lifetime movie kind of thing at times and then sprinkled with muggle life in between, especially when you take it on as much as I did. I took it on. Once I started getting control of it, I immediately like applied to festivals, uh, heavy started doing heavy rotation of festivals. I did way too much, way too early. And I wish I had to slow down, but hindsight's 2020, right? Right. Right. And I feel like, you know, that very quick beginning help propel you to where you are today for sure i'm i'm super glad that it did because there have been you know 
sometimes, you know, the brightest stars that like, you come out blazing, like pasties a blazing and you burn out very quickly. It's just like a one hit wonder. And I definitely had fears of being exactly that, but the burlesque version of it. Like, I guess it's a one titty wonder, if that's the case. Just one, sure. one pair, one, 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 one tassel wonder. Just one tassel wonder. One tassel. Like, that's yeah. all you can do, and you do that one thing well, but do you do anything else? Like, I was in, I, I was worried about that for a while, and then, I don't know, I guess you evolve. So, so yeah, yeah. it worked out in my advantage, at least. Yeah, I don't, I don't think of you as being, like, a one-tassel wonder, though, but I think that that fear or that like worry exists in everyone and we're talking about like two different things here right like burnout like that's very very oh yeah real and then the other where it's like oh is this one act you know is this Mm -hmm. is this you know one thing that I'm getting into festivals with like is that is that it yeah I had heavy fears about my Foxy Noxy act if that's what I would be like when I made it that's what I want it to be known for because I had it meant so much to me, the number, you know, itself. But then when it started getting into everything, even when you had people that, uh, not people, but festivals that had the two video options, and they always chose that one. I mean, it's a good, it's a good number, and it's my heart and soul. But at the same time, I did not want to be just known, or that's. To, peop- to have people think that that's all that I did or that's all that I could do. So what did you do to, I guess, work through that or push past that? You know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm even past that, to be quietly honest, because some people still request that number and I call it Wonderwall. So mm-hmm. when when someone always requests Foxy Nancy, I'm like, okay, well, anyway, here's Wonderwall. And I feel like I feel halfway bad about it because it's that saying of remember where you are now, remember where you want it to be, like when you want it to be where you are now. And I feel slightly ungrateful when I think about that, but also like a little uh, a brat when it comes to comes to that feeling and I don't think I'm really past just necessarily thinking that people will always think of me as that afro act right so when I work through it I'll let you know (laughs) you know I I think this is I think this is really interesting because like I said I think a lot of people go through that right like Mm -hmm. am I only going to be known as the dancing dumpling right like is that all I am right like that's the whole thing about signature acts it's like yeah they're your signature whoop-de-doo but then everyone starts booking that signature and you're like this is great this is amazing until like the 17th time and you have new numbers but no one wants your new number they want that number and you're like I hate all of you (laughs) right 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 no totally like I like that's I think right now, like I'm work, I'm reworking my dumpling number and mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, on the same page. And I think lots of people have that too, where it's like, this is the act that I want, you know, this is the act that I want to be my signature act, right? Like all of that kind yeah. of feeling, right? And this is what that act has done for you. And then mm. I'm working through <laughs> reworking my dumpling act right now. Like I got like a fancy new prop or whatever. And Ooh. I had like this like really gross existential 
crisis moment where I'm like, oh my God, like I'm changing something that people really, really love and I'm going to fuck it up and no one's ever going to book me again. Or, you know, I just spent all this money on this prop and all this time, like building a new ish thing. Are people still going to want like the old thing? But like, I don't know. I think evolution is necessary for these numbers. Yeah. It's that's, I mean, that's why remakes are so popular, you know? Right. People, people like, even though we're like, oh God, not again, people still go to see what's different, you know, or what's different. And I think as long as it's entertaining and it still tells the same story, mm-hmm. I'm going to update your prop. <laughs> like if I have an old video and I'll send it to you of like Foxy Noxy and her, and her beginnings, and it is uh, it is bad. <laughs> like to me, it was bad. But like, um, you can see the evolution of where I got some common sense about me with that mm-hmm. number. And so you can see like what what growth looks like, and it's it's scary, but it's it's whatevs, you know. Let's pivot a little bit. Um, you know that is a very like funk sexy kind of act. You know, it's the one I think people know you the most for, right? It's the one that you've competed with um, yeah. in very in various festivals and stages. What, like, do you wish people knew about you? I am a giant nerd, uh, blurred to be exact. I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of grand planning with a lot of numbers, and I love, uh, I'm getting to do it more now, but I call it cause burlesque play. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Um, It's just like recently I've, uh, the very first burlesque number I did based off of, off of uh, Nerdlesque was like a Jigglypuff years ago, years ago. If you can scour the internet, you'll probably find pictures of it. Um, I'm not going to lead you to it though, because it's horrible. Um, but that was my first experience with it and, of course, hated it at the time and never revisited Nerdlesque until I had a passion and a purpose. And my first, and I always say this is my first Nerdlesque, was Sindel from Mortal Kombat. Wow. I had such a passion for playing villains, especially video game villains, Disney villains, any general villain, anime villain. I absolutely love it. And I like to make puzzles out of the clothing uh, for these uh, blurtless numbers that I do. And so why, like on stage, I can be, I guess, sensual or very, very fierce. Just know that in a closet somewhere, I am surrounded by Legos and trying to figure out Vegeta's armor. What is it about villains that, that you love so much? I love how villains are always powerful and very much in control of what they do. Also, I always feel like villains have the best wardrobe ever. Like, they're just always, nine times out of ten, <laughs> they're always the best dressed out of it, everything. And I always had a fascination, this goes back even when, you know, uh, when I was younger, of being the bad guy, the villain. Because of the control thing. I think maybe it's an Aries thing. Who knows? Oh, I'm an Aries too. Hi, fellow Aries. We're like the trash fire, but we're always like 
the fashionable trash fire. And like we're on a mission, even though yeah. we're like a pile of like garbage on a cart. We are fire. days on a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Something that I'm hearing, I think, mm. a through line in our conversation so far has been control. Are you a bit of a control freak? Yes. Sadly so. Yes. Yeah. I am. How. Yeah. How does that play into your life in burlesque? Like, especially with so many things you can't control, right? Audience reaction, whether or not you're going to win this competition. Like, what? How do you manage that? I realize that I cannot control everything. The only thing that I can control is myself and things that I have a direct hand in. Um, That in competitions, that means I have control over my performance, of adapting to my surroundings, of my costume and my quality of my costume, of, um, you know, my overall branding and look. Like, there's so many things that I can control that that I think a lot of people don't realize that you can control these things. What you cannot control is how people will feel about these things. And that's, I mean, that's the extent. And once you cannot control something, you have to let that go you you absolutely have to and that is something that i i've been i've worked through the entire time of it is what it is you know you've competed for best debut at the burlesque hall of fame in 2018 you are the current queen of the oregon burlesque festival yeah um you've also competed in viva las vegas being an aries i think i know the answer are you a competitive person (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. Unfortunately, so it is not something that I I particularly would list as my um, winning pun intended attributes. Yeah, no, I totally I totally get that. I'm also pretty competitive. Talk to me about competition and art. That is a very slippery slope. Um, Competition and art are like siblings that do not get along, but are forced to wear that giant ass T-shirt until they can stop fighting. Competition is not necessarily for people whose main love is their art. You're subjecting your art to be judged by people who will not understand it. And there's a lot of factors that you cannot control. There's that word again. But control when it comes to subjecting your art to scrutiny or public opinion for that matter. Because you can't tell people to mind their business when you've entered a competition. You're basically displaying something and basic daring someone to, to give it a number. Um, it is a, I don't know, I, just, I wouldn't necessarily always recommend competition to people. Uh, I don't even know why I still do it half the time. I think it's because I secretly hate myself. But... If I don't do it, then I feel like it's something that I should have done. And I like the challenge of seeing what I can do to better myself as a competitive person or competitive burlesker. Talk to me what the competitions have been like. It's weird for me when you're into competitions because there's so many people that I like. And when I am 
in a competition with people I like, it becomes, it's almost like a conflict of interest because Aries are always, we're all about war. We're just assholes like that. But when I'm in a competition with someone I like and respect, I, it's been a very interesting balance. I think my favorite competition, honestly, was the the backstage part was Viva because it wasn't it wasn't competitive backstage at all. It's just a bunch of naked women going, yes, bitch, <laughs> about our costumes. And it's just it's it was friendly because we all knew each other. And like, that's that's what I would love competitions to be. But it's all really just a jumbled mess. And it's all nerves because that's what I can remember the most because I'm always in my own head about nerves. Yeah. Okay. What's that? What are you usually like backstage at a competition? Like just nervous? Like, do you like what's your process? I'm nervous. I will go through my song unnecessarily. Um, If I know people, I'm very, I get, I'm very comfortable then. And it's no big deal. I've been known to twerk, upside down on a headstand backstage uh, during competitions just to get the nerves out. Yeah, out through your butt. Yeah, you know, that's where that's where all the nerves go, right? Mm-hmm. Science. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just, I'm pretty chill backstage. I'm not, like, cranky or anything. I don't think I'm cranky um, or anything, but I'm just, like, blur. Most of the time, I just want to get over with. Like, if I, I've gotten here, I'm like, thanks, hated it, like, let's go. Right, right. Thanks. Did I win? No? Okay, yeah. time, time to go home. I'm hungry now. Wait, like, all the time I'm on stage, I'm like, pasta. What pasta so bad right now? Yes. Oh, grinding for those french fries. I will pop this pussy for lasagna. Wow. Yes. The Garfield of burlesque. It's Knox it, Falls. It me! <laughs> Knox, <laughs> you've been in Seattle now for a year, right? Mm-hmm. You're celebrating yeah. your year anniversary? Yes. Like, what was it like settling in Seattle as a burlesque performer in their burlesque scene? Honestly, I've had a heckin' good time. Like, I immediately moved here and jumped right in to the community. And it's been it's been pretty it's been pretty great and everyone has been really open and I just I do like I said I just I have not had a bad time as of yet knock on wood but I don't expect to I don't expect to honestly talk to me about Dark Diamonds Burlesque you have such an incredible group of performers do you want to give a little shout to them talk to me about what you're doing with this group okay so my diamonds are Demonica Leon who does drag and does it extremely fiercely. Mia Maravilla, she's new and she is fire. She's already been in Mobile and the Freezing Tassels Festival. She's like come out the gate immediately. I think she's only been doing this a year and I'm floored with how good she is just from out the year, like me, my first year, oh, oh gosh, like undercooked hash browns, but Mia, crisp. <laughs> um, the, the other is Carson St. Clair, and Carson is a multiracial bombshell. 
of she's classic. She does a slow burn like nobody's business. She's creative and concise in particular. Like is she she's just a whole whole mood immediately, like great. And a lot of people already know Pucks of Plenty. Pucks of Plenty is the producer of What the Funk. Shout out to What the Funk Festival. Um and that's one I'm headlining in like a couple of weeks. But yes, they they have managed to produce this entire uh, festival. They produce a lot of other shows around here. They were producing uh, shows when I arrived. Um, I was in the first, the What the Funk show when I first moved here last year. They're driven. Pucks is very driven. Uh, Sapphire Safonk, my little gem, she is from Ohio, actually, and used to perform with Bella Sin. We'll still perform. She goes back every now and then. Now, she is a great costumer. She's got a knowledge of fabrics I cannot even, I cannot even imagine. And I think we're both self-taught. So it's, it's really great because she has great music choices. choices. Uh, she's got me into Billie Eilish who I call Billy Eyelash because I'm old. Yeah. So like all together with the powers combined, we make one full burlesque. <laughs> I think I'm so excited to see each of these performers like continue to shine. Oh, they I, will. Like, I'm so excited. And I'm excited to see how you're transformed in this role as a mentor. That's so exciting. Um, I'm just really glad that they they see me as a mentor. They take my advice to heart because all I want is for them to succeed. I want them to not have this the same heartaches or or issues. And I think that is I think that is mothering. Like I don't I don't have children and I never will. And I don't know what it's like to be a mother to someone that you give you give birth to but i think i know what it's like to be a caregiver and that's what i want to do for them is to care for them to let them know that hey this festival you should not do or this festival you definitely should do or this is what you should look for in your brand and this is how you should handle this because navigating the world of burlesque as a poc is a very treacherous thing that can and will break your heart more than it will make you happy. And the more support that you can have during the process, I think it's just the more important part because having someone's shoulder to cry on is a lot more satisfying and comforting than crying by yourself about things, especially things that are supposed to make you happy. Right. I get it. Knox, let's wrap up here. Um, you've been headlining and featuring in some pretty big festivals in the past, you know, two or three years. You were a feature performer at the Minneapolis Burlesque Festival in 2018. You headlined the Ohio Burlesque Festival. You were a headliner at the Mobile Burlesque Festival. Talk to me about what, like, that taking that like next step, right? That next level in the burlesque game. Like, what was that? What was that like? Like, what has that been like for you? That it was unexpected. Um, to be honest, the first one, the first person who ever 
hired me as a as a headliner for a festival was Bella Sin uh, for Ohio. And that took me like by surprise, you know, I was like, excuse me, when when getting like a headliner email, I always want to respond with, are you lost? Because <laughs> I'm just like, I, me, are you, are you sure? Like, cause I'm about to fuss some shit up, but okay. Wait, yeah, I'm available that weekend. Like, yeah, like what? but what to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what's going? Like, do you need help finding someone? Like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. was this for me? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Are you lost? The are you lost question. Right, right. Like, uh, one like, of the festivals that really that really understood that Bristol Burlesque Festival. I'm headlining that in uh, September. Ooh. And it's my first, I've never been out of the country. So this is my first time. And it is very, not hum, not humbling, but it's, I'm fucking stoked and excited about headlining for my first time out of the country and it, to be a festival. You know, most people, you know, walk before they run. Not me. No, I didn't. No. Full full sprint, right? I didn't either. We're good. We're fine. (laughs) It's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Right. They reached out. When they reached out to me to headline the festival, they came prepared. They were like, here are our references. Uh, We are about this. We are about this. And so that was something that I was pretty uh, impressed with. When they contacted me to headline, because I never, I never been approached by a festival that felt felt or realized the importance of needing to needing to make sure that as a a black woman that I was going to be welcome. The thing about burlesque is from from where I was and the position that I started in and in life in general, I was not supposed to be doing this. I wasn't supposed to be traveling or going places or doing any of this. The idea of ever going to the UK, it it wasn't it wasn't feasible for me. Without burlesque, I don't think I would have traveled. I know for a fact I would have never traveled as much as I have and seen the world. Well, not the world, but the U.S. <laughs> The U.S. The world. Soon the world. Yeah, soon the world. Sometimes you have to appreciate those little things that burlesque can bring you. Those are the happy moments. It's it's humbling, and it also gives you a sense of responsibility that someone trusts you enough to entertain and be like the lead entertainer of something so massive. And it also feels, I feel like a sense of accomplishment. Like when I started out in burlesque, yes, this is what I wanted. I got, I got what I wanted and very, not everyone can say that. Right. Absolutely. And I feel in a sense, not necessarily lucky, but not necessarily blessed, but very privileged to get what I want. It has not come without sacrifice or hurt or pain or endless crying over sequence. Like, 
there have been definitely downs in my career and there have been ups and now the ups are overflowing. Just know that it feels really, really, really fucking good when you get an email from a festival asking you to either feature or headline for them that you've made some type of impact or made people feel a certain way with your art that they want it to be showcased on a wider scale. Absolutely. Well, you've definitely made an impact and people definitely want to share your art on a wider scale. I hope that you're out there celebrating all that you've accomplished in these seven years. And there's so much more to come ahead of you. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. I just know that I'm just screaming in a corner <laughs> at all times. <laughs> Knox Falls, thicker than a Snickers and twice as salty, the naughty body of burlesque. Thank you so much for being on the Pasty Tapes. Thank you so much for having me. And letting me ramble on for almost an hour. It was perfect. Where can people find you on the internet? And if you want to give a shout to anything you want to plug, what, tell us what's up. Uh, what is uh, Okay. Well, you can find me on uh, the internet, uh, knoxfalls.com. You can find me on Instagram under the naughty body being very, very naked um, is, until they flag me and shadow ban me. Um, on Facebook, I am under my name. There will be two accounts because I have many wigs and will use them until Zuckerberg finds out. And also, you can find uh, extensions of me through Dark Diamonds, um, Dark Diamonds Burlesque on Facebook, uh, Dark Diamonds Burlesque on Instagram, and even the twit under Dark D Burley Q. Perfect. Thank you so much, Knox. It was such a great time talking to you on the Pasty Tapes. Thank you again for having me. I've had a blast. If you want to catch Knox Falls, you can see her around the country and even across the pond in the next coming weeks. They'll be headlining at What the Funk, which is happening this weekend, August 22nd through the 24th in Seattle. They'll also be headlining at the Bristol Burlesque Festival over in the UK. That's happening September 19th through the 22nd. And then they'll be rounding out their September at the Oregon Burlesque Festival, where they'll be headlining as well. That's September 27th through the 28th in Portland. Thanks again, Knox, for chatting with me on the Pacey Tapes. Thanks so much for listening to the Pacey Tapes. Extra special thanks to superfan BFFs Bella Adana and Kyle H. Extra thanks to friend-level supporters to Rosalie Bloom, Tony Tabasco, and Kits and Sass. Do you want to support the Pacey Tapes? Join the Pacey Tapes fan club at thepaceytapes.com. I'll write you a love note. I'll send you a care package. I would be so forever grateful for your monetary support of this podcast. Other ways to support include what you're already doing right now. Keep listening to the show. You can also hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends about this podcast. Share our podcast on social media. Whatever you want to do, I would love it and would be so grateful. Do you want to chime in? Do you want to leave me your feedback? Do you want to tell me who your burlesque crush is? Contact the Pacey Tapes hotline. You can call or text us at 1-530-PASTIES. That's 1-530-727-8437. And I may play a response on the air. 
You can catch me at Show My More on the internet and live and in person across the country. I'll be traveling in August and September. I'll be coming to St. Louis, performing at the Monocle August 24th as a special guest at Body Positivity, a celebration of plus-size burlesque produced by Chi-Chi Buxom and Dizzy Tunt, some of my favorite St. Louis babes. I'll also be a special guest at the third anniversary celebration of Afro Tees produced by Vanessa Chevelle in Richmond, Virginia. You can see me perform and teach all weekend. I'll be there September 7th through the 8th. On the 7th, I'll be teaching my class Cooler on the internet. We'll also have Afro Tees that night. And then on the 8th, there will be a really cool burlesque brunch. So look it up on Facebook. That's Afro Tees. And I'll be twirling my dumplings at the Nashville Burlesque Festival in the Saturday Spectacular on September 14th. Philadelphia, I am coming for you. I will be there September 18th through the 21st as a guest of Burlesque and Beyond. I'll be teaching, recording, and performing in this festival. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be in Philadelphia. I can't wait to eat some cheesesteaks and touch the Liberty Bell. I think that's a thing that's there. And dance on the Rocky Steps. And oh my God, you know who's in Philadelphia? Terry Gross. W-H-Y-Y in Philadelphia. Fresh air with Terry Gross. Maybe I'll take an afternoon, find that office building that they record in, and, I don't know, do a selfie in front of it. Who knows? But I'm so excited for all this travel that's coming up. It's going to be great. If you see me, say hi. So excited to meet you. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Pacey Tapes. I'm your host. Oh my, it's Shomai. Uh, Shomai more the steamiest Asian dumpling, and I'll talk with you soon. You have been listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. This is Blanche Debris saying thanks for listening, and see you later, ducklings.